I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. What's up, fam? I have an awesome interview here for you today. It's episode 88 of the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. I'm talking to none other than Christiane Northrop. She's been on the front, the forefront of, of freedom-focused care in the era of COVID, but we don't even talk about that here. We actually talk about menopause, the wisdom of menopause, this archetypal transition, this beautiful sacred transformation that happens when we move from our reproductive years to our menopausal I don't even want to say menopausal years. It's it's the it's the crone archetype. It's the the time when you are the most valuable. You've got all of this collected wisdom. You're you're the most powerful you've ever been. You've already had your babies. Is there some wisdom? Is there some lesson, guidance that we can take from this experience? Well, Christian Northrup does an amazing job providing a truly holistic uh, lens through which to view menopause. Uh, she's a bit of a hero of mine. She's an MD and OBGYN. She has done all of the things that I've done, only she's been doing it for 30 more years. So I'm so grateful to have her on the show. She spent 60 to 90 minutes of her time graciously with me to make this, this episode happen. And um, I hope that we're good friends for a long time. The episode is brought to you by Fit for Birth. Fit for Birth is a a pregnancy and postpartum specific coaching program for pregnant and postpartum women and for coaches, check practitioners, doctors of all sorts who want to deepen their toolkit specifically in pregnancy and postpartum. James Goodlatte and his team at Fit for Birth are all specifically trained in this niche clientele, this niche client population. And if you would like to work with a fit for birth professional at a discount as a, as a listener of the show, you can go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, and um, you'll be linked up with a fit for birth professional, or you can take one of the courses there. If you're a coach, a doctor, etc., that just wants to have a broader understanding about how to personalize coaching for pregnant and postpartum women, because they are a different breed. They are, they are in a very, very different physiologic and anatomical state, um, and they should be exercising. We know that exercise decreases every pregnancy complication under the sun. It improves postpartum recovery, etc. But you need to have a coach that is, has taken the time to diligently understand how exercise and nutrition programs can be customized and catered to this client population. So to go to getfitforbirth, all spelled out, dot com slash beloved, and you'll save 20% on any of their services. This episode is also brought to you by Bioptimizers. My friend Wade Lightheart has made this product called Mag Breakthrough, which is, uh, it combines seven distinct types of magnesium in order for you to get the best rest possible. It's also just great for overall well-being, helps with restless legs. Many of us are deficient in magnesium because we used to get quite a bit of magnesium from eating bone marrows and a lot of different animal products, organ meats, etc. But we don't do that so much anymore. So while you're shoring up your nutrition program, add some magnesium. Here's how you do it. Go to 
magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. I'll link it in the show description. Buy a bottle of Mag Breakthrough. Take two capsules with a tall glass of water 30 minutes before bed. I guarantee you're going to fall asleep a little bit faster. You're going to wake up feeling less groggy, and you're going to be able to hit the ground running the next day without any hitch in your step. At that link, you'll notice that if you buy three bottles or more, you'll also get a variety of products from their their gut health selection, including Masszymes, which is a digestive aid. You'll get HCL Breakthrough, which adds acid to the stomach, which helps to digest the food so it can pass it down into the duodenum. That's the first part of the small intestine, as opposed to regurgitating back up into the esophagus. Your doctor would say, you've got too much acid. Let's block the acid. No, 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 no. You've got too little acid. So we add some HCL Breakthrough. We help to facilitate the digestion of, of the food in the stomach. That allows it to go into the small intestines for the masszymes in your microbiome to do the work of digesting it further, absorbing all of those important nutrients from your food into your blood. I haven't even mentioned um, P3OM, which is the Navy SEAL of probiotics, as Wade describes it. Um, you take that, it, it, it also further supports your microbiome, which again, you're not feeding your body, you're feeding your microbiome. Remember that, guys. If you don't have a healthy microbiome, the food goes in and out the same, not the same way it came, but it passes right through the intestinal tract because you don't have the bugs in there to break down the food and then to facilitate the transport of that food into your blood through the wall of the intestines. By taking care of your health, you're going to sleep better. By sleeping better, you're going to have a healthier gut. All of these things go together. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN, try Mag Breakthrough. And if you buy three bottles or more, you're going to get all of these other goodies for free. And then lastly, Organifi. Uh, I've, I've met true cannoli a little while ago, actually, whenever this releases, I can say a while back. And, um, we've been working together on some, some things. And, um, the guy is, is shows up with such authenticity and puts his heart and soul into products in such a way that it, that I, I can't help, but want to continue to support this man's, um, company's growth. So I've talked quite a bit about some of their products in the past. Today, I want to talk about their green juice. I've talked about their red juice, their vanilla protein powder. I've talked about Organifi Gold. Let's talk about their green juice. So this is a combination of a whole bunch of plant-based um, uh, ingredients, um, including ashwagandha, moringa, spirulina, chlorella. Chlorella is this superfood. It's an alkalizing algae. It's rich in essential vitamins, minerals, chlorophyll. Um, chlorophyll is a potent detoxifying antioxidant found in the, in the leaves of plants, the green leaves. Um, it has coconut water, wheatgrass, red beets, matcha green tea. Matcha green tea has been a sensation. It's, it, it is loaded with so much nutrition itself like people like Andrew Weil, sort of like the OG of integrative, uh, integrative health from the medical lens, have been talking about matcha green tea for years. And you've got all this other stuff that's mixed in with it. Sometimes when I take matcha green tea, it actually makes me nauseated because it's like such a powerful punch to my gut. I do not get that at all with, uh, with Organifi's green juice. There's also some turmeric, lemon, some prebiotic powder in order to support that microbiome even further. You can see that there's a trend here, guys. I have companies to come on as sponsors. A lot of companies reach out, but I only very selective in the companies that I work with because these are all the things that I use to take care of myself. I recommend it to my friends and family, recommend it to my wife and kids. This is where it's at. There are good companies out there. I promise you. I promise you that there are good companies out there that are not just looking to make uh, as you know, money as quickly as possible. They want to put the best product that they can. And Organifi is no exception. If you want to try this out, go to Organifi.com slash beloved. You're not going to regret it. I don't have to say any more than I've already said. Go and try out their green juice. You're not going to look back. All right, without further ado, 
the one and only Christian Northrup on my very podcast, The Holistic OBGYN. Enjoy this conversation, everybody. Good morning, Dr. Northrup. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Christian Northrup, I was just, right before we started recording, I was kind of gushing about how I'd found your work in residency and how we weren't really being rewarded for looking outside the box, for asking questions outside of the, you know, the purview of surgery and pharmaceuticals. And then you said something very charming, and it's really about how you've been paving a path. So, so repeat that for everybody, because I think that that's an important part of our conversation. Well, what I said is I was forging a path on an unmarked peak where there are no trails at night with no maps. And then you people like you come along and put in benches and landscape lighting. Thank God. Yeah. Pickleball courts in, in the works. Creating a language mm. of women's health. It was literally a language because what is women's health to most people, right? It's pap smears, mammograms, blood pressure, cholesterol. That right. has nothing to do with health. That's right. disease screening. Yeah. That, or the healthcare now, yeah, let's do, you know, 79 different shots by the age of 18. Mm. We're following CDC guidelines. Sure. And I knew that this was all BS a long time ago, but it's gotten much worse. So I want to congratulate you for being able to see this at all, because with each successive generation, I'd say medicine started the massive deterioration mm. In the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah. However, you know, I was just on your website and the the language of the sanctity of birth mm. and the coming together of this new life, that's always there, regardless of how the Kasarian Mafia is trying so hard to, uh, you know, through all of the tentacles in the World Economic right. Forum, all of that trying so hard, but it's not the truth of who we are as humans made in the image of God. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. For, you know, for people who don't know you, and I appreciate all those words. Thank you. I have felt like, you know, people think that I'm a pioneer or whatever, but then it's very easy to refer them to, you know, to your work and the work of a lot of other people. You know, even yeah. people like Stu Fishbein was a re is a really good mentor of mine. He's been doing home birth out on the West Coast for, you know, decades. And uh, I met him and a couple others out there. But you, you, you know, people like you have written these books that allow us to say, okay, it's not entirely insane that I'm starting to question day one of residency, what I'm being told to do, which is to intervene at every moment to give everybody a synthetic pharmaceutical that walks in the door and do it as yep. expediently as possible so that you can get to the next person and do the exact same thing. In, in my internship. So let me, you know, re relay this story. So fetal monitoring had just come in. And Kurt Citrullo had just come to run our program from USC. And he was all the guys with the fetal monitoring. So yeah. what I learned was a normal labor and delivery is a retrospective diagnosis. So everyone who came in, you got an 18-gauge IV in as soon as possible. Yep. You ruptured their membranes with an amnio hook. You snaked in an intrauterine pressure catheter. And then you screwed in a fetal scalp electrode right to the, the crown, yeah. you know, where, where God comes in. Yeah. And, and then, and then you'd hook them up to a fetal monitor 
And then you'd come in later and you would, this is what happened, what I saw happen. You'd walk in later and you'd say, how are you doing? And everybody, the nurses, the doctors, the patient herself would look at the monitor to see how she was doing. Here's how we're doing. It's on this TV monitor using this unvalidated software program. <laughs> that, 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 that's exactly right. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I was shocked actually when I went through the literature for the you know, fifth update of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom to know there isn't one single study, not one. Not a single one. Single monitoring has done anything but increase C-section rate. That's right. Yeah, I just interviewed um, Jack Jacqueline Wolf's a PhD at Miami University, just over the river. I live in Kentucky. You're are you up in Maine? Is that right? I'm in Maine. Oh yeah. man, it looks so beautiful outside your window there with the pines. I mean, it kind of reminds me of home. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from Pittsburgh, and so we grew oh, up with all. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very yeah. similar terrain there. Yeah. Appalachia kind of. Uh, we got the the hills and the streams and the the pine cones and everything. It looks beautiful. Yes. Yes. So I just interviewed her and she had written a couple books. One was called American C-Section, which was, um, or it was called Cesarean Section, uh, you know, the American history or something like that. And that was a big part of our conversation was that as we've, you know, the things that we trained to do as OBGYNs were one intervention after another, as opposed to holding space and practicing good humanity um, and, and perhaps even tapping into the spiritual unfolding that is birth. Like, why not? Why are we so devoid of that language when we are witnessing one of these sacred rites of passage, you know, within the human experience? And she talks, you know, in her book, she's a historian. She's not a doctor. But, oh, you know, nice. th- th- what everybody's, what I, the joke I always like to say is, how do you hide something from an OBGYN? You publish it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so she's like, I've probably read more of the literature than almost any doctor out there because I had to prove myself as a historian that I could grapple with this. And granted, she didn't have 100 hour weeks or maybe in your time you were doing 120, 140 hour weeks. Yep. And um, since, you know, they didn't have the duty hours. But that was a big part of our conversation is that as we've intervened more and more and thrown more technology at this problem, we've only seen worse outcomes. Yet nobody's willing to say, hey, we're lost in the woods, guys. And as a result... We can't find our way out. We've, we're all blindfolded and blind leading the blind, as opposed yep. to just taking a step back and asking, is this actually helping that I'm going and rupturing everybody's water, putting scalp probes on every baby and putting them all in the continuous monitor? And of course, it doesn't work. I remember second year of my residency, and I asked the question in my head, okay, <laughs> what happens in the wild, like when do membranes normally rupture? And Caldero Barcia down in Uruguay uh, had been doing some studies on why we need to study this is beyond me. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so I would begin to think about what would happen. Like we don't have a bowel movement lying in the dorsal lithotomy position, right. do we? Right. That is dumb. You, you know, you're standing. And so uh, I then learned, wait a minute. Membranes are the best bubble wrap ever for mm, the baby. Mm-hmm. And they typically don't rupture until uh, the second stage, until you're pushing. I mean, many times they rupture before that. We know that. But yeah, but yeah. still, what, you know, <laughs> there's a very interesting play called Birth. And the first line in it, in this play is, <laughs> I want what my dog got. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that shows the state of medicine right right now, the state of maternity care in the United States for sure. Gosh. Yeah. Well, wow. just tell me about your, so 
are you actively in practice and delivering babies and all that stuff? Yeah, actually, it's funny. Now you're interviewing me. What I actually decided to do was, uh, and we won't get into the COVID nonsense of the past couple of years, but one important thing that happened was that my uh, unwillingness to simply comply to rules finally caught up with me. And I got fired because I was, I'm also a hospice doctor. I went to fellowship training for hospice and palliative care. So that is perfect. I've often said, you know, this, that yeah. when women get, when nurses get burned out in labor and delivery, yeah. they all become hospice volunteers. I, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. I, we are, we are gatekeepers. Yeah. Whether you're coming or going. Yeah. We're the people. <laughs> yeah. They, they make these perfect. I, I, I sort of see my role in palliative care. My secret is that I wish I would have been a midwife, but I, I, you know, I'm an MD. I'll, I'll flout my fellow of ACOG credentials and whatever, just to get people off my back. <laughs> Cause if I was a midwife, they might still try to burn me at the stake like they have for the past several hundred years. <laughs> but, uh, in, in my, um, when I consider the work we do at end of life, it is basically midwifing people through this other rite of passage, this other portal. And, and if you're not willing to accept that there are two sides of the same coin, you're just not paying attention. And so I brought the, so, so fast forward, I, you know, yes, I was doing hospital births. I worked at Scripps Encinitas. I did my training in LA and then I, um, did my fellowship at UC San Diego, worked at Scripps Encinitas out in California, then was recruited out to Kentucky to do inpatient palliative care. Was not a good fit there. So I joined hospice and I was still working in the hospital as a, as a laborist, as they call it now, like an in, like a, a hospitalist OBGYN. And wow. uh, managing all the emergencies. Yeah, it was pretty, wow. pretty, uh, pretty awesome way to get your skills as good as you could possibly get them. <laughs> and, uh, and so then I went to hospice and about a year into that work, I got fired because I was caring for a man who's 95, hasn't seen any family, hasn't had any interaction with any human for 18 months. I, I took I my mask that. off, rubbed lotion on their hands and feet. I clipped his toenails. We got to know each other. He was like a former baseball player. Like it was a really beautiful interaction. He felt love and seen heart to heart. I was holding him. I mean, we, and he probably died shortly after, but I wouldn't know because the next day it was canned because somebody turned me in for taking off my mask. Of course they did. So of course. Yeah. And I know, I know your positions here, so we won't even have to waste time on this, but it's, it was a, an invitation from the universe or a nudge from the universe to do the thing that I do, which instead of doing my own home birth practice, I started a collaborator program where I back up midwives, doulas, childbirth educators in any way possible through ordering, through prescriptive authority agreements, through whatever, so that we can really rise up the people that I think do a better job of attending births. So, um, and I do, I do occasionally attend like for breaches and things like that, but, but yeah, that's where I found myself is this early in my career getting canned for probably the best reason in the world. And then being able to having the invitation and permission to do the thing that I, I know works best. So, oh, that's beautiful. That, yeah. it, you just make me so happy. You can't even imagine. Oh, like, thank you. It's got the, you know, the, the spiritual sense of what it is we're here doing. And I remember the first time I saw a birth in med school, and I yeah. just started to weep and nearly fell to the floor. But you know, women back then were told oh, you're taking the place of a man, so you know any sign of weakness anyway. Yeah. Um, but I remember yeah. the med student had taken the Kelly clamp off the cord. And the thing, as you know, is like a little fire hose and it's spraying blood on the walls and she's yelling at him. And I'll never forget it. I thought this is holy ground. Oh, and yeah. Anybody in here who doesn't know this, who doesn't see this has no place being here. Yeah. 
And then, of course, with the rest of my training, pretty much nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was holy ground. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I mean, when we talk about OBGYN training, it is notoriously very hard. And then it's, it's even harder to get board certified because you do two board exams. You do this big oral thing, which I just did about a year and a half ago because mm-hmm. um, I had to collect cases and do all that stuff through oh, COVID. Oh. And when people hear about this training, you know, they know that it's really rigorous and they know that before duty hours were put into place back in the, what, 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't that long yeah. ago, you could have been expected to be working every hour of the week and getting sleep in little tiny chunks if needed. So they know it's really, really hard. They also know yeah. that it is, it is quite a conditioning process. So not many people like me and you become OBGYNs, fellows of ACOG, and then decide we don't want to do this. So you and I obviously are cut from the same cloth, maybe kindred spirits. I'm wondering, what, what was it in your early career that shifted your mentality? Was there a specific event or was it just this slow building process of a disillusionment where you then decided, I need to figure out some other tricks in order to treat my patients? Uh, actually, I was radicalized before I even went to med school. Oh, yeah. So I had uh, a couple family members. You know, we signed my brother out of the hospital against medical advice because he wouldn't <laughs> eat. And I had a sister die in the hospital. My mother was given... Uh, streptomycin every day, every day, every day in her pregnancy. And wow. then that baby was uh, damaged and, mm-hmm. and wouldn't eat and died in a pool of her vomit when parents could only look through a little glass window. And so when my brother was born and he wouldn't eat, but there had been no viral pneumonia and antibiotics. And um, a nurse came up to my mother when she was visiting and she said, uh, if I were you, I'd get him out of here. The doctors don't know what's going on which would never happen today. Ever. Wow. And so they, they signed him out of the hospital against medical advice. He weighed 10 pounds at a year. And my dad, who'd been a oral surgeon in a mass unit in World War II, was very competent to put down an NG tube. So they fed him every hour on the hour with the formula. And I remember holding this thing up, going down the NG tube. And my aunt and uncle were both medical doctors and they didn't have any answers. And we finally, when he was a year old and weighed 10 pounds. They found a doctor at women's medical that no longer exists named Dr. Crump and took him there. She put down a fiber optic scope. She was a pioneer in that. And she said, the esophagus is so eroded that we got to take that tube out of there and let's just see what happens. Um, You know, amazing, right? Watch and wait, like delivering a breach. Just yeah, just hands down and let it happen. Yeah, Yeah, just let that happen. Anyhow, he started to eat after two days and he's now, um, you know, 60 years old and, uh, he's got a little autoimmune stuff, but otherwise has had a, a great life. And when I interviewed at university of Buffalo medical school, where I didn't go, this is how God works. The guy who interviewed me had been the attending physician, uh, for my brother. No kidding. Or thought that he was mentally retarded or he was certain that he would be dead then when I was interviewing at Yale Med School, my dad ends up in the uh, CCU, uh, Buffalo General, with chest pain. And he calls my mother two days later, says, Edna, come and get me. They don't know what's going on. And the IV had infiltrated. He had a fever. And he walked out of the cardiac intensive care unit with the chest leads hanging off him. The nurses were angry. I come home. I drive home from New Haven. And he's sitting up in a chair, fluid two-thirds of the way up in both lung fields. Whoa. Can't, can't breathe. 
reading The Godfather, and he healed at home. And he had infectious pericarditis. He did not no have kidding. a heart attack. So they knew. Um, you know, they they didn't know what was going on with him. So I remember ironing. And I said to my mother, they were kind of upset that I was going to go to med school. It was just a better degree than a PhD at that time. They were kind of upset. I said, I'm just, I'm just going to go and find out why doctors don't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> why they don't know what's really going on. So then I never intended to practice. I never intended to do anything. So, but then I cried when I saw a baby born and that was it. I That's mean, it. That was yeah. It. Yeah. And then at the end of my residency, my cousin calls and she says she's curing her fibroids with a meprobiotic diet. And I thought, Jesus, I just learned how to do hysterectomies for that. Yeah. Uh, so I began to sit with Michio Kushi, who brought macrobiotics to oh, yeah. the United States, Japan, with him doing what was called oriental diagnosis. And um, and I'd watch these people get better with diet. And I was brought up on organic food and a compost heap and all of the rest of it. So I was very positioned to question things. Plus, I read all of Edgar Casey in my teenage Yeah, I got them all on my you shelf know. right back there. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I've since talked to my dad through a medium, you know, like he he died um, a long time ago. But uh, I said, why did you get that pericarditis? He said, I was so afraid that you would get taken in by the cult of medicine that I would lose you. Wow. Because, because you know how doctors are. They become very, very close. I mean, if you look at the what's happening during COVID with, yeah. with doctors, you go, are you kidding me? And now um, I work with uh, James Thorpe, maternal fetal medicine out of uh, Florida. And Jim is suing the American board of OBGYN. He said, you do not inject pregnant women with stuff that's experimental. But I was shocked in the 90s when they started to make flu and DPT standard. I yeah. remember meeting a young pregnant woman. I hadn't done obstetrics for a while. And she says, well, I'm going in for my routine shots. And I'm going, what, what routine? What is routine shots? about a vaccination in pregnancy? <laughs> certainly shouldn't be. <laughs> no, no. So anyhow, wow. um, so I was already kind of, um, fully radicalized. But then I found the American Holistic Medical Association in the 80s, formed by Norm Sheely, a neurosurgeon. And I met Gladys McGarry, who did home births. And, um, and I met all these holistic docs. And so I was on the board and then the president with Bernie Siegel in the early 90s, the uh, Yale New Haven yeah. surgeon who wrote Love Medicine and Miracles. Uh -huh. So I kind of had this support team. And as I'd go to those meetings, I would notice that when it came to women's health, you know, you do this holistic thing and women's health, they would say, you know, about the menstrual, see Kundalini. And I thought, I'm seeing an awful lot of warts and herpes between here and Kundalini. So yeah. there, there's, and there wasn't a language. And I, I cut my teeth on PMS, believe it or not, a, an article in Family Circle came out about PMS. And suddenly all these women were showing up because they had a name for what they were suffering from, from Family Circle magazine, not the OBGYN literature. And so I began to work with those people and realize, wait, this is, this is lifestyle. Every one of these women with really bad PMS comes from an alcoholic family system. Hmm. 
And the menstrual cycle is showing her the truth of her life. Mm. It, it's like, you know, you, you're fine from ovulation to, I mean, from the onset of your period till ovulation. That's when the culture appreciates women. It's yeah. when you fold bowels. It's all of the rest of it. And then if you don't get pregnant, you're preparing to give birth to something from deep within yourself. Right. And our culture doesn't like that. And so what happens is, I mean, I really had a, an archetypal thing where a guy comes oh, in. Oh, man. This, this, you're speaking my language. I talk about archetypes all the time. So continue. Yeah. 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 I'm just giving you the emphatic nod here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's wearing, you know, his blue, you know, Joe hair, like, because he's a repairman or does engines or something. And he brings his wife in and he goes, she's a really good wife from the onset of her period till ovulation. But then... She starts talking about wanting to go back to school. And then, you know, and then she's fine for a while. And uh, I said, and he goes, can you fix her? And I said, uh, yeah, Joe, but I got to tell you a couple things. What this desire to go back to school is, is the voice of her soul. Mm. And that needs to be attended to. And we can do all this stuff with diet and caffeine and sugar. We can do all of that. It will not hold until this inner thing from inside is attended to. And then I be, then I realized that the whole wisdom of menopause is this. If you don't pay attention to the 460 opportunities that you have to get in touch with who you really are during your reproductive years, you're going to get PMS on steroids and we call it perimenopause. Mm. And because you're, you, um, Perimenopause is this divergence. By the way, the entire planet is in it right now. Wait, Christiane, can I, can I stop you real quick? You said 460. That's 460 ovulations. Is that, am I, yeah, am I, okay. Yeah. I was just, I just wanted to make sure that I was following. <laughs> I don't know the exact number, but it's, it's like. Somewhere in there, 400, 500. Yeah. It's in there. You know, you get all this opportunity, all this opportunity. Cause you know, the menstrual cycle is, we now know it's a vital sign. Or it was until until COVID. And so, as you know, some professor from Harvard says, well, we saw that, you know, the shots were messing up the menstrual cycle, but right. not very much. And we didn't want to tell anyone because that could create vaccine hesitancy. And shame on you for giving risks, benefits, alternatives and not and, and, and not violating a principle of bioethics. Shame on you for giving somebody information, doctor. <laughs> That's that's right. That's right. Well, that's that's all I've done is given people information. I lost my professorship. Lost it. I mean, you know, they took it away when I published the the wisdom of menopause. It, that was like a bridge too far for them, and that was in the in the nineties. Wow! Really? So, so wow. So you have really ridden this roller coaster. <laughs> eight lawsuits. Um, Two of them were for PBS shows. I mean, unbelievable. It, it, it's. Oh, I just know that um, that was the job. I mean, yeah. that was the job. Yeah. I want to. I want to comment on one thing specifically because I think that this is going to be really relevant to uh, a, a, at least a portion of the audience. We we have been shaming pregnant women for everything from having orgasms to making love, to having a glass of wine, to, you know, changing their cat litter. And now suddenly, you know, 2021 hits, and now we're, we're, we're giving this, this experimental therapy 
before there's even safety or efficacy data, I think ACOG came out with their recommendation that it should be universally provided a month after it was available, something like that. It was this extremely short period of time before we had any data. And then when you actually look at the data, the CDC and whatnot uses the Shimbakura, it's a a Japanese name. Um, That study was completely crap. No, total crap. (laughs) I remember because a med student from Israel texted me in June of 2021 and he said, okay, this is what the article says. But if I look at the data here, this is eight times the regular amount of miscarriage. Right. Miscarriage is generally one in six. This is seven to eight times over that. And that was in the original New England Journal of Medicine study. Well, of course, they retracted it and they've changed it and all of Of course. The rest of it. But wow. Yeah. I mean, I just want people to to, to see this for what it is. This isn't a matter of right or wrong. This isn't a matter of evidence-based or not. There's obviously something wrong with an agenda that is supporting us injecting an unknown agent into a pregnant woman when we have been telling them all along that everything possible in the world can disrupt your pregnancy. That's actually, for me, that's the most important thing for people to realize, that these recommendations coming from up high, from agencies that are supposed to be helping people out who went through all this training like me and you— have com- it, it has resulted for me in a complete, it's, it's a sh- not even a shot through the foot. It's a shot through the like femurs either on either side. There is no way out of this now that you've, you've gotten us this far. And if anybody was in doubt, now they're very much in doubt of any recommendations that are coming from the CDC, ACOG, etc. And now people like me have to field questions daily, helping them piece together, what am I supposed to do? And now is the time, I suppose, where people can actually embrace their intuition and start to really feel into themselves, and, and whether you're a practitioner or a patient or whatever else. So, so we, I don't, I know you've talked so much about COVID, and I appreciate you being out there with your voice. Let's not beat a dead horse because anybody in our camp is already, I think, going to see it that way. Unless there's something you wanted to add um, to what I what I've just um, commented on. No, no, I I believe that um, again, as I was saying. If the wisdom of menopause is a giant bifurcation, grow or die, COVID is that for everyone on the planet. Grow or die. Right. You either right. see it or you don't. And, you know, you've, you've been present at the bedside. Yeah. You understand helping people make that transition. Yeah. I, I think that life is eternal. We don't die. And what I like to believe is that those who are leaving, who are totally in the agenda, will be on the other side. And the first thing they'll do is go, what was I thinking? And yeah. then they will um, either reincarnate really quick and be part of the the new the new crop of humans sure. with sure. their DNA, or they, they'll be cheering us on. Right. Um, really, I, I, I believe that. I absolutely believe that. And I also think God can heal anything. Uh, and so I'm not... Am I worried about the people who have done the whole thing? Yeah, we've got the data. They're dr- sudden adult death syndrome, all the rest of it. Um, but there, there's it's enormous grief for their families who can see it. My Absolutely. neighbor texted me this morning. My husband's granddaughter is here. She's two years old. Her mother has had her injected. The mother herself is pregnant again and just decided to have a chicken pox booster even though she had chicken pox as a child. And there are people that have Carolyn Mace, the very 
famous medical intuitive used to talk about the power behind your eyes versus the power in front of your eyes. Mm. So you talked about intuition. That's the power behind your eyes. If you can't see it at this point, I I don't know what's going to do yeah. it. I don't, but I do know it's going to be all hands on deck for people like you and I, as people wake up, they're going to need, they're going to need help. Yeah. So I, I don't know if this is actually attributable to Mahatma Gandhi, but there's that phrase, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then they join you. <laughs> and I think we're all kind of experiencing a little bit of that as people are like, we're still doing this mask thing. We're still doing whatever. Ugh. <laughs> Maybe that crazy City, Dr. Riley was right. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, well, you, you know, you know, Z-Dog, that yeah. uh, very famous drug back mm-hmm. doctor. Mm-hmm. Man, he did a whole podcast on me um, way back in, I think, December of 2021. Um, you know, just laughing at all the stuff that I was saying about the about the shot. And I thought. God, I hope I can find that because yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's, Serve it up on a platter in a shoe. Like here, eat your words. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? You and I are not even about that. I mean, yeah. it's like it's not about that. Though I have I have little private fantasies about the apologies, but sure. the truth is, we wish we weren't right. I yeah. wish I were right about this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you're exactly right. Like, I don't even care about the validation of like, haha, I was right. Like, that, I'm way past that. At this point, when, you know, when people come to us and they're, they're having this conversation and it's, and it's like, are you turning a corner here? The first thing you want to say, anybody in, our, in any camp, whether, you, you know, whatever, it could be back in the 80s or whatever with the political candidate that, that was voted in that you were like, see, it's going to be bad. And then, and then it ends up being bad. Like we go through this in so many phases in our life. For me, it's like, I wish that I didn't have to carry this burden alone and feel so isolated from everybody. And now that you're all starting to change your language, I want to say to my group of high school friends, I want to say, I've been saying this all along. And uh, I haven't. And my wife has been really helpful in that. She's like, what do we have to gain from that? What do we have to gain from, from saying, ha ha, yeah. it's just, let's move forward. I would love to move on. If you guys are going to keep bringing this to my, to my door, I'm just going to continue to hold space and love you through this. And that's all that I think we can do for one another right now. It's, it's not going to be who has the bigger ball of mud, who can make the other look worse. It's just not going to get us anywhere. So. Yeah, right, right. Well, speaking of, uh, exactly. I, I want to tailspin this, uh, not tailspin, that sounds like we're going going down. Um, I, 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 I want to piggyback on this conversation around COVID because I think that one of the really important aspects of this is that when we see a virus as this external threat, it allows us to aim our missiles again at nature as opposed to, nature meaning the environment, as opposed to actually looking in the mirror and changing something within ourselves for the betterment of, of mankind and Mother Earth. A part of that is this, this incredible fear of aging and mortality. We don't want to have to look at the fact that we're going to die someday. Because for a lot of people, if they're especially in that, maybe through an atheistic lens, there is nothing that happens afterwards. And even the idea that I'm going to become worm food is so confronting that we want to be buried in a lead-lined casket with all of our jewelry and everything that we wore 50 years ago. We want to be put in a concrete tomb because heaven forbid our our corpus, the, the matter that makes up my meat suit is going to be recirculated and revitalize Mother Earth. 
you know, back to from whence it came. Right. So you wrote, you have written quite a bit now about menopause. Mm. What are your thoughts on this sort of longevity movement, anti-ageism movement, where people are just so determined to not have to acknowledge that they're going through this next transition, this transitional, this transition of menopause. How do you address that when somebody brings that to your door? Because I'm getting a lot of this in my practice. Like, okay. So with the menopausal women, mm -hmm. kind of, okay. Yeah. Or, or women I, that are starting to feel the inklings and they're putting the brakes on, like, I can't go through menopause. I'm not ready for that. It's kind of like when you're about to have a baby and yeah, you don't want to yeah. step from made into motherhood. Now you're going motherhood to mother to crone, perhaps, but people put on the brakes like, I That's can't, right. okay. I well, can't. Well, no, you're going from uh, maiden, you're going maiden to queen. Okay. So, so the truth is that- Oh, I like whole, that queen. Yeah. Yeah, go to queen, to the queen of yourself. You're mm. the queen of yourself. So the whole reason that I wrote The Wisdom of Menopause was that I, as I was going through it and also going through a divorce at the same time, and I began to realize, wait a minute. Oh, and I was growing a big fibroid over on the right side. <laughs> I could feel it. <laughs> you know, I, had, I had a few, you know, <laughs> it's from the universe like hey there's a few things you need to pay something's attention happening to. Fibroids. yeah fibroids are pushing your a dead-end job or relationship mm. and that's what creates these these fibroids and then you know there's genetic stuff and all the rest of it but what i realized is i begin you know nature doesn't waste anything so you know how fsh and lh are they peak at ovulation like that but what happens after menopause and you're you're in a between the worlds for quite a while. And yes, and yes, and yes, you are dying to your old self. Amen. Age 52, by the way, is the Chiron return. And that is literally, it feels like a death. But what? here's what you have to tease out. The culture has told us for decades, thousands of years maybe, that the end of your fertility is the end of your desirability. Mm. It's mm -hmm. the end of life force. You might as well now, uh, you know, you go into a corner and shrivel up and die. And nothing could be further from the truth. Right. But it's a time of great invention, reinvention. So the here's what often happens. And I don't know if you've seen this, but I used to see this. It's, it's why I got a tubal ligation at the age of 37, because there was something I was seeing all the time. And it was women who didn't know what the next phase of life looked like and they would just have another baby and they'd come in let's say 42 years old and they'd say i don't know how this happened i'd literally hear that they'd have a phd and md i i don't know how it happened that i'm pregnant again it's like yeah well i do <laughs> it's, it's, it's because they knew how to do the babies and the children and you know and then you're going to the school and your life is very much the schedule of the child, you know yeah. what you're doing, but to face that empty nest, to face the giant void of, oh my God, society hasn't, hasn't done anything with red hat society where women, you know, wear goofy hats and show up and have lunch and all go to see <laughs> movies. To, I mean, yeah. don't get me started on this. You know, I mean, I've seen menopause, the musical it's funny, but there's a trivializing yeah. Yeah. women's uh, transition into power. So what I tell people is you need to look at all the places where society has told you to be afraid. 
that's where your power is. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And so what women, if they, uh, the feedback I've gotten on the wisdom of, of menopause is, oh, you have reframed that. So now I'm eager to get there. Yeah. I'm eager to get there. But I will tell you, all your unfinished business of the first half of your life is going to come up to be processed. And so when I went through a divorce, I didn't know the difference between a plaintiff and a defendant. I kid you not. I didn't know a divorce suddenly faced with um, having to become financially literate. Now that's second chakra. That's our field, money, sex, and power. That's the reproductive system of the body. And uh, realizing that the marriage was not going to go into, into the next phase. And then going through all the societal, oh my God, you've ruined your children's lives. All of the rest of it, you know, you're selfish. Why couldn't you, you know what to do to keep him happy? Why don't you just do it? You've put in 25 years. Why don't you just stay? And I also knew mm. um, that I would get, if I stayed, bilateral inflammatory breast cancer. And I would be dead in three months. And then my then husband would be the darling of the breast cancer um, you know, support groups yeah. where all the women yeah. would bring him casseroles. I mean, I just, I... <laughs> you're hilarious. I didn't realize how funny you are. That's a, you're amazing. <laughs> oh man. It's like story time with one of my favorite docs. This is funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, JP Sears and Jim Brewer, there are these comedians who call it like it is with the yeah. COVID are like saints to me. These are like saints. The patron so, saints of, of, yeah, the, of, of truth or, or something like that, or, or just, or just being yourself. <laughs> yeah. All humor yeah. is based on truth. It wouldn't be funny if it didn't have a grain of oh, truth. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, so anyhow, so that, that whole wisdom of menopause is the dictates of are coming up and the more you fight them, the more you're going to suffer. Mm. It's literally, you know, this is the big sky surrender Dorothy. And if you're holding on to it's something you did in your twenties, then it begins to look pathetic. Right. Mm. And in the women's magazines, they don't do this anymore. Cause I think they heard me. They would always have air cuts for your twenties, thirties, forties, they didn't have 50s. Now they have 50s. Um, but, you know, what to wear in your 20s, what to wear in your 30s. And and all the women's magazines would want to interview me. What to 20s, 30s. And that's just all brainwashing. Mm. So now I want to bring up something else. And that is um, chronologic age versus biologic age. We have enormous control over what we call the aging process. Mm -hmm. So the deal is to um, die young as late as possible. Like right. I couldn't, I'm not afraid of death at all. There's a lot of stuff about what's going on on the planet right now. That's a little hard. Yeah. So I don't have any problem and I'm in frequent communication with everyone over there right now. So I don't have any problem with that. On the other hand, while we are here in this meat suit, what can we do with it? And I met uh, Dr. Mario Martinez, who mm. had interviewed 700 healthy centenarians all over the world. And he said, they're all the same. They live in subcultures of wellness. 
They are not medicalized. They're future oriented. You say your garden looks nice and they'll say, wait till you see it in three years. They have good <laughs> boundaries. Can I interview you tomorrow? Uh, no, that's my tango lesson. Um, they are, uh, they're very, very, you know, when's, when's the last time you saw a doctor? I don't know. All my doctors have died. They're, they're that, mm. that kind of people. They don't, they're not medicalized. And so I'm kind of like that myself. Oh, and he said, you also, you just don't stay, don't say your age because we co-author each other's biology. And we're constantly saying things like, I look pretty good for 55. I think I'm doing great for someone who's, you know, 59. We are co-authoring. We're putting each other in a box. So at this point, what I say to all of my friends who cover a wide range, said, I don't want you telling me your age after the age of 33. 33, spiritual mastery path number. That's when Jesus died. And um, and I have a friend... Um, who was killed in a, in a car accident. I mean, he was on a respirator is basically dead. And then he woke up Tommy Rosa hmm. uh, and a plumber from the Bronx. And he said, and when, to, when I went to heaven, everyone who died after the age of 33 was 33 children stay the same. I figure, okay, 33. Good. Then, yeah, you've got to look at your driver's license and you know, all the rest of it, but I want people to step out of age. And at the same time, there's two things they have to do, which is exactly what we have to do with the COVID thing. Hmm. We have to look at, at how horrible this agenda has been for humanity. Yeah. It's a genocide thing. We have to look at how bad that is. And at the same time, pay attention to what it's taking to build the new earth. Yeah. Like you and I met today, and that makes my day that, wow, there is a younger person involved in birth who isn't just, you know, when I first found out that women were now in New York City, had to sign up for their time of birth, sign up for their routine C-section. Um, whoa. Wow. You know, like yeah. what I would say to people is, um, boy, if you can't be inconvenienced by the time of the baby's birth, you're going to have a real hard time. <laughs> Life's going to really, really come down oh, yeah. on you. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, wow. So anyhow, that's that's some of the stuff. And, and we do know from real age and all that research done in Cleveland, I can't remember the guy. Um, but you can, the markers that we call aging are not inevitable, or as Dr. Martinez says, uh, getting older is inevitable. Aging is optional. Yeah. And he's working with all kinds of people all over the world who are changing their mindset and then their telomere length is, is growing. So it begins with how you look at it. And that's why I wrote the book, uh, Goddesses Never Age, yeah. because I was determined, determined that my life was not going to play out of, oh, so now she's a middle-aged, divorced woman living alone with cats. That's the end. Yeah, I mean, right. 
I was determined that is not going to happen. That's a terrible epilogue. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's fun. I mean, I yeah. like, I kind of like, you know, especially because I'm one of the, you know, the disinformation dozen, the 12 people mentioned by Biden as, you know, murderers for our disinformation yeah. about COVID. And I think this is great for yeah. middle age. John, menopausal woman living with cats. And I'm like, I'm an international terrorist. This is <laughs> I mean, if anybody could see the woman that is sitting in front of me right now, this, if this is the menace to our society, I just, um, uh, I, I will, I guess I'm a menace too. you know, if you, <laughs> uh, we, I'm sure we would be good friends if I was up in Maine. I want to clarify, not clarify, but I want to dig into something you said, and this is about the the opportunities we have to care for ourselves through through. I don't want to just say mind body, but yeah. mind body spirit. You know, the mental, emotional, and spiritual levels of who we are. This is a, an important part of the human existence, and when we reduce everything to just the physical, then we start to try to biohack our way out of aging. But that's not what you're saying. I mean, what you're saying is let's optimize what we've got. Let's let's maximize our opportunity to embrace and enjoy this ride as opposed to just sort of succumbing to this narrative that, hey, you're now in menopause. You're not useful to us anymore. Go on over there into the nursing facility. Is, is that sort of can you can yeah. you maybe elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Like, you know, give you an example of my mother. So when my dad died, she was 52 at her Chiron return. And she had always, she was kind of a caged lion with the five kids. And, and uh, she then met a woman who was an ex nun. And the two of them did the, the Appalachian trail in their seventies. Wow. Uh, she, they climbed the 200 highest peaks in New England. And then she went to Mount Everest Base Camp at the age of 84, which is 100 miles straight up. Whoa. And, um, now, that's because that's what she had always wanted to do. So what I want people to do, actually, as they approach menopause, so think about it. The reproductive years are a blip on the screen. You can live so many years after that. So you need to see if anything at all were possible what would your life be like? Like I wanted to, I always wanted to learn how to dance. So I learned Argentine tango. Was it hard? It was harder than med school school and residency. Why? None of my accolades did a damn thing. I'm down at a dance studio where there's too many middle-aged women who want to learn how to dance and not enough men, not enough leaders. Hmm. And I thought I am determined to learn this. And so I just showed up. And then, you know, and I went to Buenos Aires and I, you know, and I got it out of my system. So tango is in my body. And that was a discipline. It's just like yoga, or let's say that you want to begin a weightlifting program. You have no idea what's possible with the physical body, but it begins with the story you tell yourself. Yeah, that's exactly right. Always. It's at at my age, it's too late too. Blah, 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 blah. It's too late. Or, you know, what I hear a lot from women, well, all the men want women who are 20 years younger. It's like, actually, those are the men who never quite got over being 12. Okay. They got addicted to porn at 12. You don't want that group. Yeah. Group anyway. Yeah. yeah. So all those things that, that the society tells you, you know, they say, well, a swallow doesn't make a spring. But what I say, and I always did this throughout medicine, is if there's a swallow there and it's spring, 
let's study the swallow. Just like those, you know, those mm. cluster things. I remember learning about osteoporosis. My former husband and I had that in common. He was an uh, orthopedic surgeon. But I remember the graphs and you'd see the bone density of an 80-year-old in several people was the same as a 20-year-old. So I, and so I would say it's it's not inevitable. Osteoporosis is not inevitable. Heart disease is not inevitable. Vaginal atrophy is not inevitable. Yes, there are things that you can do, but the biggest thing, which is what you said, is you pay attention to this conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like that that old phrase, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And I did uh, seven years of a practice called proprioceptive writing, mm. which is using your intuition, your imagination, and your intellect in a writing practice. And I learned from Linda Trichter Metcalf, whose book is called Writing the Mind Alive, that there are no tourists in the mind. Every thought you have in there has meaning. And so the proprioceptive writing was you lit a candle, you played the second um movement of a Baroque, the Adagio movement, 60, 60 cycles per second, took three deep breaths and came up writing. And I learned wow. how to tell what I, I, I listened. I learned how to listen to my mind. And then you would, and you'd ask the proprioceptive question, what do I mean by, I spent two years on the word worthy for heaven's sakes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Kind of reminds me of, uh, there's a book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, where he oh, yes. finds himself yes. in, a, in in sort of a state of insanity, psychosis, because he's trying to define the word quality or, or something like that, value or something. It's like a, a, a kind of a word like worthy. But there's an exercise there. There's something that we're not paying attention to, that our, our brain is is generating these feelings, these impulses from this word. So what is that word? What is what is that impulse? And And uh, I do think that as we, even what, you know, we, you were talking about language earlier, I'm closer to the birthing phases in our life. We've had two babies now. Nice. One was at home, just 50 feet from here. And we're not going to have any more children. At least that's the plan. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, you know, as I, as I think about the language we use when we talk about the birth, like my wife had to actually walk me through some of these exercises. They're, they're kind of intuitive to her, I suppose. She's like, what is the, what is your dream birth? Like, like, tell me about what you imagine happening. And I was like, well, you're, you're going to start feeling contractions and then you'll probably feel some pressure in your pelvis. And I was going through the, like, whatever scripted language I developed. And she was like, but what do you, what are you feeling? What are you sensing in the room? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And that really kind of forces you to look inward and to really start listening to, to that, that inner, inner dialogue, as you said. How do you teach that to somebody who's so confronted? I mean, they're coming to you and you're, they're so confronted by this, this transition. You know, they're, they're in Chiron return. Is it too late to start once you've reached that point? Or is that the moment to start? It's never too late about anything. Hmm. A saying that I love from a middle, a middle Ages mystic, Meister Eckhart. And he said, for all of eternity... God lies on a birthing bed giving birth. The essence of God is birthing. Mm. So at any given time, one, and I've always thought that the, uh, the stages of conception, gestation, labor, birth, postpartum were physical metaphors 
for the way God comes into physical form in matter, which means mother. And this is the densest part of the universe, the earth. So if you can change something here, it changes the entire universe. So at any given moment, it's like, um, it's like the, the Christmas, uh, a Christmas carol when Scrooge yeah. on Christmas morning, he's very, very old and he wakes up and he realizes, oh, it's not too late. It's never too late. You and I have seen people wake up just before dying. Mm. I, I remember this wonderful young woman who was dying of metastatic cervical cancer. I went into her room in the hospital. I hadn't seen her for a long time. And she was laughing. The room was suffused with light. She was laughing and she he said, oh, I remember coming to you years ago and you told me to change my diet and I thought you were nuts and all of that. And that she was in that space between the worlds where she was seeing her cats on her bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were, oh, yeah. You know, that, that place. And all the nurses wanted to be in her room. It was like being with God. Mm. She had um, she had gone through a time where they thought she was going to die after treatment and surgery and all that. And then she woke up for about a week and, and held court Yeah, and, he, and healed and healed people. And she wasn't afraid of death and she laughed all the time. So I think that it is, it is that, that thing of understanding that you have the power right now. You just have to make a decision and then you have to keep, coming back. It's like lifting weights. How do we get so that we're stronger by lifting heavier and heavier weights? Yeah. So it begins with little practices. Like I did this this morning. I was listening to Lee Carroll, who channels cry on. I adore him. And he said, okay, here's a practice. The minute your feet hit the floor in the morning at your bedside, you say something like, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and make it holy. Okay, mm. God, let's have a wonderful day. Now, you're not going to feel like doing that. Uh, it's like uh, Michael Beckwith from the Agape Church says, affirmations don't make something happen. They make something welcome. So during that, and, and I don't know where that will comes from, but I remember when I was going through the divorce and thinking I was going to lose the house and all the rest of it, I was completely terrified. And I also knew that it is our thoughts that bring, uh, that coalesce, or as Napoleon Hill said, thoughts have the peculiar quality of becoming their physical equivalents. Wow. And so- I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So I would um, get on a treadmill, read all of Catherine Ponder, create uh, affirmations, and just go about my day because I, I also knew, you know, the the Tesla, um, what do they call it? The ethers. This the stuff of God is divine radiant substance, mm. and we manifest it into physical form through our emotions and our thoughts. Now, that doesn't mean that this is where it gets off. In the New Age movement, people think, oh, well, that means, you know, you can't afford the luxury of a negative thought. Mm. Uh, sorry. We have Good vibes come. only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. What did a friend of mine, um, this great guy, UI Media, Tim Ray, he said, um, 
Yes, it's called denial-based positive thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a positivity <laughs> bypass or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm good vibes only. There, it's like the yeah. the seventh you know type of on the enneagram. It's type seven. It's like I don't ever want to even look into the shadow. I'm just going to bounce around like Tigger up my whole life and and good yeah. vibes only. Yes, a, lot of, a lot of people are right now because yeah. of cognitive dissonance. They, oh, yeah. they actually cannot believe that their doctor their government, their senator, their governor would do this to them. They cannot believe it. Well, here's the deal, folks. It's that bad. In fact, it's worse. I have, the way I've described it is, um, it's like, you know, you're a surgeon and there's an abscess. And so you incise it and then you, you put your fingers in to break up the loculations. And the next thing you know, you're up to your elbow before you find the bottom of it. Mm. But this what what's currently manifesting as covid is not new they've been doing this to humanity for centuries it's um here's how uh lee carroll described it he said what do you do when you go into a room and you turn on a bright light well you suddenly see the dirt <laughs> we're seeing, we're seeing the dirt we're we're just seeing the dirt but sure. you know but rising from those ashes like a phoenix hmm. is what you've done with your two children and, and here it's, it's faith. It's, it's the journey of faith where you have to have faith in something you can't see. Right. Yet. Right. And, right. And, oh, and what I tell people is, Oh, wow. Getting negative and sad and saying, protect, protect, angry, all of that. Any fool can do that. That's for the weak. I'll tell you what's hard. Hmm. Keeping, this high, keeping the vibration high, not from denial, but from knowing this is, I've always had this and you've got the Edgar Casey, so, you know, I've always had it. It's like, all right, let me get it right this time. I don't want to come back and do it again and have it be harder yeah. so let this time. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so can we do a part two sometime? Is that possible? Yes, I'd love it. Okay. I would love it. It would be my I I feel like I didn't even ask you any of the questions. You just are so easy to talk to and you're such a breath of fresh air because uh, what I love about you is that you um you don't bring this lens of like here's the right answer. You bring the lens of what might the answer be for you. It 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 you you respond with the the invitation to do some self-exploration and I think your book is a um you know I I called it like the bible of menopause. I think it's more than that. I actually mm -hmm. think it's an invitation to get to know yourself better. Yeah. And not everything in this book is going to be right for every person in every context. But I'm curious, you know, your book is, it's about 700 pages of actual content. And then there's about 300 pages of additional reading and references. Like, I don't know how a person ever can write a book like this, but we are going to do a giveaway. So we will, we will have a copy for a, a lucky listener I'm curious, Christiane, if you wouldn't mind just telling us, you know, there's 700 pages of good stuff in here. Yeah. Maybe share a little bit about what your life looks like and how you're applying this in your daily life. Like, just maybe give us, like, what does Christiane Northrup's life look like? How are you um, accommodating this transition and honoring this transition personally? You've already gotten a little bit into the some of the, the psycho and spiritual aspects, but maybe elaborate a little bit further just so people can get a taste of, of what they'll find in this book. Yeah, what they'll find is is a kind of a roadmap 
for what the second half of life can look like if you allow it and do not allow yourself to get all medicalized. All right. So it is Uh to tap tap into your potential and realize that health is way more than a uh, bone densitometry and an EKG fine, but you're in the driver's seat far more than you could ever imagine. Not your genes, not your mother, not your background. You have so much power to create the life of your dreams, even now, even, well, it's actually, especially now, because we are breaking down all of society now. And what's coming now is the new earth, new relationships, new forms of government, new forms of everything. It's a very exciting time to be alive. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So are there, um, is there like a, any morning rituals or certain things that you pay attention to from a dietary or movement lens that you think every... Yeah, I, I do um, Pilates twice a week. That's been like a, a ministry. Um, I do all this fascia stretching stuff. I've got a weightlifting guy that I work with who's one of our um, warriors for freedom. He was a special forces medic in, in Iraq. Hey, he'll get you into shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and he does. He does. We were bench pressing some stuff, you know, that made me like, ah. <laughs> I get a massage once a week. Um, I live in a personal paradise. I put my feet on the ground regularly. I mean, literally barefoot on the ground. And my mantra is always that the best is yet to come. And I always thought that long before Trump said it. I really just feel like my life just keeps getting better and better. And I say that even after, you know, the love of my life died in um, 2020. And that's a huge story. He was a PhD epidemiologist. Can you imagine? Went all over the world with the WHO. And he said to me, you need to testify in front of um, um, the legislature up in Augusta about the 72 mandated vaccines for children. So, so God sent me this guy. I thought our relationship would founder on the rocks of vaccines. Cause as far as I can tell, if you're a public healthy, all you got is shots. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Oh, that's boy. all. They're just peddling shots. That's all you do as an imp with an MBH anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, people. Forget now about neonatal see. mortality, child, you know, maternal mortality. Forget that nonsense. Let's just no, get no. more shots. <laughs> we just need more shots. No, we just need more shots. So anyway, that was, that was how I started 2020 is this guy who's, you know, a professor of public health and says, go do this, everything that you're telling me. I mean, it was all new to him. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and but sometimes Jeez, you sorry, my, my phone turned on. Sorry about that. We'll try to edit that out. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> me all the time. Yeah. But anyway, um, it was the setup. It was, you know, what I said to him is you got the kind of mind that's persecuted me my entire career, but we had this massive love. And so it set me up for what was going to happen now with, with COVID. It's, it's like I had so much confidence with the white coats. And, you know, if you're you and me and you're, uh, you know how it is. Yeah. I mean, if you can quote the New England Journal of Medicine, which you used to be able to quote and you knew it was right, but now it's all BS. And New England now, Journal, the Lancet. I mean, they're all, they've all just no, betrayed like, us. Well, we're yeah. like the intellectual elite because hmm. we can see it. Yeah, and the rest of them, my God, and wa- and watching all the 
all my former colleagues, what I say is, man, they're holding tight to the deck of the Titanic. And you, know, you and I are in the lifeboats like, you know, hey, come this way. We got more room. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. The system, if the system's going to sink, let it sink. And we will create a life raft over here for anybody who still wants some, some patient centered, heart centered, um, compassionate human being care. (laughs) That's right. And the other thing I'm doing, like in the next 60 days, we're launching a, uh, a dating site for people who have not had their DNA altered. So I'm excited about that. Uh, What did you call it? A vading site? Dating. Oh, dating. a dating site. Oh, you're actually starting a dating app. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, natural. And I'm working with some uh, tech guys down in Florida. Um, so, you know, we what we really want to save humanity. And you save humanity starting with bonds of affection. And, the you know, I mean, you and I both know the fertility rate is me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. You got to bring together and you've got little kids. And uh, Jared, the guy I'm working with, has little kids. And he says, I can keep them safe for now, but I need whole institution camps and theaters and where our where our children and grandchildren can go and not have this agenda. So that's why we're we're starting it, you know, a little bit at a time. We'll start in uh, probably Florida and New York, make sure we get people finding each other in love, and then we'll expand the whole, whole planet. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, yeah. well, we're going to put all of those links into the show. Is there anything else you want people to know about that you're promoting right now? Where can people find you? I mean, it's not hard that's to find Christian Northrop. DrNorthrup.com. I also, by the way, I have a a product for perimenopause that works just great. And it's a Perarium Marifica, an herb with some of the highest phytoestrogens on planet Earth. I went to Thailand. I visited the jungles where where we get this stuff. And I have the best vaginal moisturizer on planet Earth. It completely re-estrogenizes um, all the cornified layer of the vagina during perimenopause or beyond uh, estradiol, but you don't need a prescription because 17 beta estradiol now like Premarin Estrace, those things cost like $350 for a tube. Come on, people. <sighs> anyway, our stuff is just as good. It's called... <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Amata Life. A-M-A-T-A Life com. It's available on Amazon, but you can find all the links on drnorthrop.com. We will get everything in the show description. I want to share with anybody out there who doesn't know about estrogen creams. Premarin um, is a really terrible name um, for a cream. I love your, the name of yours better. Premarin is is uh, 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 pregnant mare urine, and it's 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 clumped into one word. Yeah. So you're putting pregnant mare urine extract in laden cream on your vulva versus something that is coming from the plant kingdom, which um, sounds a little bit nicer to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely nicer. And yeah. I've had um, perimenopausal women like, you know, it's in their forties. One of my friends, she goes, Oh my God, I love this stuff. It's made my husband into my boyfriend. And you know oh, how that's really sweet. Had a great line. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's so. like the best testimony you could possibly receive for your product. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, if um, uh, yeah, so I, I hope that we can stay in touch. And um, I am so grateful for your time, Christian. Thank you so much. We will get everything, get everybody headed your way to get your book. We'll do a giveaway. We'll get them 
you know, buying the cream. We'll get them on your dating app. We're going to blow it up. I really appreciate you spending some time with me today. Great. And I have your email address. So I'm going to email you. So you've got my, you know, my cell, my whatever, because I want to definitely keep in touch with you. I was going to ask this. I was going to ask so much, but I, I, you know, I, I wanted to be polite. So (laughs) thanks again. Okay. Beautiful. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Oh, Dr. Northrup, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time today. If you want to find more of uh, Christian Northrup's work, go to Dr. Northrup. That's N O R T H R U P dot com. You can get her new book. We want to get it into hands of everybody. I'm going to be doing a giveaway of this book, so stay tuned for that. But it's called The Wisdom of Menopause. Even if you're not near menopause, understanding what happens in the transition from your reproductive years when your ovaries are still functioning and communicating in the, you know, with the brain in the way that it has since you were 15, 16, understanding how that changes can provide so much insight in retrospect, as to how your body functions and all of these delicate feedback loops. And and Christiane Northrup is not just doing this in a prescriptive way. She's providing you a very comprehensive, truly holistic approach to understanding this transition from, you know, the, the four major archetypes. I've always said that there's three, but I've adopted now a fourth. The maiden, the mother, the empress or queen, and the crone. Going from empress to crone is is an, is probably the most important transition, but it's often the most neglected. So go and read her book. There is so much information. The book is like three inches thick. It is a compendium of knowledge. Like what a, what a legacy that Doctor Northrup is is leaving behind for for generations of people in the future. So find her at her website. Find her um, find her book. Read her book give some feedback, give it a review on, on Amazon. Let's support this work. This is just, it's so critical nowadays to have somebody like her in the space. There's three ways that you can support this podcast if you like what I'm doing. The first is share with your friends. And that's pretty much it. Tag me on Instagram. I'll tag you back. Let's get a conversation going. I love what I'm doing. And I, I'm so grateful to be able to serve so many people who are open-minded, open-hearted, and willing to say, you know what? I don't know, but let's figure it out together. That's what this this show is all about. Share the episodes that you love with the friends and the family that uh, that you care about, because that's what this show is for. That's who it's for. The second thing you can do is to go to that supercomputer in your pocket, an iPhone or whatever it is, Android. Go to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Leave a five-star review. The algorithms that help determine what podcasts get more exposure versus less exposure is how many five-star reviews do you have. And it's very, very hard to get people to do it. But when you realize that it only takes five seconds, it's like, hey, if we've met, if we've hugged, if we've broken bread, if we've done psychedelics, whatever it is, (laughs) if you just like what I'm doing, take the 15 seconds that is required to leave a five-star review. I I will be so uh, grateful if you can do that for me. And then the third way, of course, is to support the sponsors. I only bring companies on as sponsors if I'm fully in alignment with, with what their company stands for. From the development of the product to how they, how they, um, you know, promote their products and show up in in the public space. Are they out there just for to make as much profit as possible, or do they really truly care about putting a good product into your hands, into your body? 
All three of the companies that are supporting this episode are near and dear to me. The first is Fit for Birth. Go to getfitforbirth.com, all spelled out, no numbers in there, dot, uh, getfitforbirth.com slash beloved, and you'll be able to save 20% on courses for coaches, check practitioners, etc., who want to deepen their toolkit, become specialized in coaching pregnant and postpartum women on exercise and nutrition. Or if you're a pregnant and postpartum woman and you want to be linked up with a fit for birth professional, you can do that too. Uh, do that there too. Go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. By Optimizers is also supporting this show. Thank you, Wade, for entrusting me with your brand. By Optimizers makes one of the best sleep aids on the market. It's called Magnesium Breakthrough. If you go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN, you'll save money on, on their Magnesium Breakthrough, which has seven distinct types of magnesium, helping you get to sleep faster, helping you feel better rested when you wake up in the morning. And if you buy three bottles or more through that portal, you're going to get some extra goodies, including Masszymes, P3OM, and HCL Breakthrough, all of which I use on a regular basis. Check out Bioptimizers. And then lastly, Organifi. If you go to Organifi.com slash Beloved, you can try their green juice, which is my new favorite. Um, I actually like to combine it with a little bit of LMNT. It has like a, a bit of a, like a citric acid kind of tartness to it. And so adding that to the green juice gives it like this really powerful combination, which I love. Um, their green juice has so many nutrient-packed ingredients that I don't even want to read them all again. It's ash everything from ashwagandha to spirulina to coconut water to red beets to matcha green tea. They throw some lemon and prebiotic powder in there, of course, because both of those help with digestion and to support the microbiome in order to maximize absorption of nutrients from everything that you eat and drink. So again, go to Organifi.com slash Beloved. You'll save 20% on any of their products. I love their red juice, their gold, their, their protein powder. To just just try it out, it'll speak for itself. I promise you. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. <clears throat> As I always say, nothing on this show is is medical advice. It's all information. It's all education, and hopefully, it's a little entertaining as well. But if you do want to work with me and get some medical advice, go to belovedholistics.com. You join my private association. Now we're out of the public. We're not working with lawyers or insurance companies. We're working me and you. I put all of my tool my tools and my experience at work. On your, you know, for your behalf, whether it's a reproductive issue, it's a pregnancy or postpartum issue, if it's a menopausal issue, I have Christine Northrup, Christian Northrup's book on speed dial, so to speak, in my library. It's an accessible place I can reach for it and turn through it, and I do that on a weekly basis for at least one of my clients. So anything under the sun related to women's health, I'm a Czech practitioner, I'm an I'm an MD with two, nearly three board certifications because I'm now studying anthroposophic medicine. Um, I've got a wide variety of teammates that I call on when I need help. You can, once you join the PCA, you can book one-off consultations. You can join my collaborator program, which is for coaches, acupuncturists, any types of any type of medical professional who would like to have an MD consultant that isn't going to chastise them for not being an allopathic doctor, um, as if there is this true hierarchy of who's better and smarter at, you know, and, and more competent at what they do. Um, I've got all these other people who I call on all the time because it takes a village and we want to get you well. And so the collaborator program gives you access to me. We all, we, we work together. I provide you the lens through allopathy and also, you know, 
We'll take some from some of my HLC training with the Czech Institute, some of my Ayurvedic uh, insights, Chinese medicine insights, and and we we can do functional labs. We do everything. The collaborative program is really for you to be able to have access to anything that I would otherwise be able to access for a client, and it's a very reasonable monthly fee. Um, if you're looking to work one on one with me and you don't want to just pay for a one off consultation, again, you know, generally if you're if you're problem took 10 years to develop, it's going to take more than one consultation for us to get you on the right track. So you can buy a package of time with me, which saves you quite a bit of money. I send you some free goodies here and there as well. Um, I definitely prioritize my package purchasers because that tells me that you're really serious about making things happen here. So all of that can be found at belovedholistics.com. I think I'm done talking for now. Yeah, I think so. The next episode is... uh, we're upgrading things a little bit over here. The next episode is episode 89, and you're going to be hearing from a woman named Jessica Pinn, who years ago, when she was young, I think she said she was 20, she had a labiaplasty, and things went wrong. They did a, a clitoral hoodectomy without her consent. She was trying to get the labia minora um, minimized surgically. And they also took the liberty to remove part of the skin over top of her clitoris, which de-innervated the clitoris, and she no longer has sensation there. So this is a wide-ranging conversation, but it really gets into the informed consent, the board certification process. Why would a surgeon do a procedure that they've never trained to do? And it turns out most OBGYNs are not trained to do these procedures. So whose domain is this? It would have to be a very, very specialized, you know, advanced surgeon in either OBGYN, plastic surgery, or maybe a combination of the two. And that's just not what we see out there. So we also get into sort of the cultural the cultural impressions of what a normal vulva looks like. What is a normal labia majora, labia minora? Is it true that men don't um, find a vulva beautiful unless, you know, if the labia minora are, you know, protrude out beyond the labia majora? turns out that's not exactly true. In fact, they've done a lot of research within the pornographic world through the porn, you know, major porn websites, and they found that men don't prefer that. So why on earth would a surgeon perform this surgery and completely amputate the labia minora. Who gave anybody the impression that that's actually what what men want or or women want of their female partners? Um, just a, a really, really bizarre world we live in, and Jessica Penn has lived it. So we're going to talk in depth about a lot of these topics, and um, I really can't wait for you to hear. So we're going to be upgrading. We've got a YouTube channel that's forming. I'm also going to be doing blog posts so you can find show notes and sponsor information a lot more easily. As the show is picking up traction, I want to provide more value to the people that are listening. So we're doing all the things. And video, I think, is a really, really big part of that. So stay tuned. I will see you um, on episode 89. I'm Nathan Riley, MD. I'm so happy you're enjoying the Holistic OB Joanne podcast. And I will see you soon. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto.